Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. Uh, This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts, I guess. And uh, yeah, still unsponsored, still unsupported, because, you know, when some people say things, they mean it. I don't know. I don't know. That's just us. We're out here. Um... (laughs) Uh, be sure to check out the other DLF podcasts, though, not because um, it's a sponsorship, just because that's literally where all my friends podcast, and um, they're awesome. Uh, so I'm a little mad at myself. It's too late. I should have been in bed about an hour ago, but I've had this idea for a podcast for about a week now. You might notice that deadline as the week that went past without a Dynasty Crossroads episode. Um, which is basically because I forgot. I also forgot to live stream if it helps out uh, with your fifis. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I had a break, I guess, and I think I enjoyed it. I, I missed my break. I don't know what happened. Um, but um, there was a question on Patreon uh, based on one of my YouTube videos um, about what is Dynasty Rookie Draft Theory. And um, this is why Patreon and Discord, you know, hate me. Um, because I'll, I'll say things and then they, like, ask me to back that up. It's as if I've been, you know, constantly saying people should be able to back up what they say and track it and prove it uh, for years now. And, um, yeah, they asked. And I was like, damn, I don't I don't have rules written down anywhere. We, I don't know there is a Dynasty Rookie Draft theory that's just a thing I said, um, but I guess I guess we need one of those. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought how interesting it was looking at the rules that I literally wrote down really quickly in a notepad, because I hate all of them. I hate all of them, but I think they're right. And more importantly, and perhaps uh, I should say this up front, um, I think you know them all already. I think this is stuff we basically all kind of feel in rookie drafts. But me being the nerdy little fake nerd that I am, I felt some kind of satisfaction in writing them down and thinking them through. And so maybe, hopefully, you will too, is the idea of this podcast. 140 downloads so far. 140,000 downloads of Dynasty Crossroads, by the way. Thank you very much. We're averaging around... 700 listens a show. It goes up when I actually get on a podcast like Royal Underworld or Ray GQ comes on. It goes up a lot. Um, but, like, I really want to thank all of you that are listening to this, especially since, you know, I'm, I'm such a ranty little fake nerd. Um, for disclosure, uh, I should have been to bed an hour ago. 
and recorded this before, but I really got into writing these rules out and really looking through rookie ADP. And also I was trying to work on an update for the prospect database available obviously on my pinned tweet on both Patreon and also Twitter. A pinned tweet on Patreon. Really, Pete? Okay. Um, But I found this bottle in the fridge and I'm not a big drinker, anyone who's paid attention to me at all. Like, I don't understand how people find time in their lives for drink. But there was this bottle in the fridge. And I was like, hey, that's a thing my wife was cooking with the other day. Wonder what that tastes like. And it tastes really good. It's wine, and I haven't drank wine since college because it was the cheapest, most voluminous thing you could get a hold of. And I'm three glasses in, and I'm starting to feel like that was one glass too many. And these are big, beefy, tall glasses. So if I'm slurring my words, uh, I apologize. I, I really do. I did not mean for that to happen. I just actually enjoyed the taste, which is fairly rare. And um, so, yeah, that's that's the situation that you're walking into. Um, but this podcast <laughs> is going to be rookie draft theory. Some rules I wrote down. And also some precursor to what I mean by you know, rules, because you don't follow my rules, you're a renegade, you're an outsider, you're a contrarian, I know this, I know this, it's okay, so I I like to think I am, in some ways too, Uh, I'm I'm very much a contrarian, but, but, um, just, these aren't, by rules, I don't mean things you have to do in your draft. I've literally written a little note on each one of them that says, in a way too nerdy fashion, all things being equal, in big caps. Because apparently me from several hours ago is a real... I don't know, he's an anal little son of a bitch. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Yes, I think I can. It's mine. I can swear. I, I apologize, but I can swear. Um, I'll try not to. Uh, where was I? Yeah, so, these rules are all things being equal. So, say, in your personal opinion, and in ADP, a wide receiver and a running back are both equally valued. And that never happens, but we're talking about general theories. When you're walking into a draft, pretend you don't know anything about the players, what's your general idea of how you approach a rookie draft? And then we're going to dig into it a little deeper about why those rules work, how they help, and the actual strategy of rookie drafts. Because I think there's more components, but by all things being equal, well, what are those things? And for me, that's ADP, or you could use that as a synonym for the synonym. I did slur a word, damn it. For value... Um, in your rookie dress, the most likely value that the players in your league hold for different players, largely based on draft capital, obviously. Then there's evaluation. Now, that's just a broad category. I mean to say, you know, what you personally think of these players. That's where it gets a little hazy. I don't know what you think of players. And I'm going to try and stick to ADP broadly, because ADP, if you struggle, by the way, And just sticking to ADP can get you to, obviously, the average hit rate, which is where we, what we want to beat. But honestly, the average hit rate, we don't beat it on an, no dynasty player that I know significantly beats the average consistently year over year, specifically when talking about rookie drafts. I think I do a little bit at wide receiver significantly. But, like, I've also got a lot of Nikhil Harry and J.J. Sega Whiteside shares. So, probably, you know, 
that's the baseline you should have. Most people we listen to and value their opinion on fantasy football, like they get better than the average sometimes in some ways, but the average kind of wins out overall. And that's hard for me to say because I'm a contrarian little SOB, as I mentioned, and like I wanna, I want, I, I wanna flex so hard, but we're not going to. We're gonna use ADP as a default because if you just use ADP from Dynasty League Football, again, you're getting an average hit rate. You also draft a lot of Corey Coleman, but we'll get into it. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna outline some very. I don't know. I've been rambling on here as I tend to do, as is my want on this podcast. I guess, but we're going to get it under 30 minutes, and what we're going to do is talk about some very basic, very short list of rules for rookie drafts, and let me know, by all means, in the comments, in on Twitter, how wrong I am and what your rules are, because I've never actually, like, I've, rid, rid, I've written, and I've also read a lot of Dynasty introduction articles, because that's really where you start, have to start breaking things down and think what's important, what's not. And I don't think I've ever seen rookie drafts specifically broken down this way. Let me know if I'm wrong, if there's a better article or better podcast out there that I should listen to. But, like, this is mine, I guess. All right, so, I need drops. I don't have drops, I don't have cut-ins, and I don't edit my videos. I really suck all around, but I guess, uh, I guess we'll pretend I have a drop. Rookie draft board rule number one. Did that did that sound like official and stuff? I don't. I don't. <laughs> sorry, I just made myself laugh so hard. Um. All right. So the first rule, I think, and oh, damn it. Um. I'm talking about. I'm putting all the premiums in. So. Because I think that's the best way of looking at it. Put in the maximum potential of every position. So I'm talking about rules in Superflex drafts with tight end premium. Right? That clear? PPR scoring, obviously. And, you know, no kickers, I guess, um, is also a thing. So, yeah, rookie draft rule number one. Take take two. Um, okay. So the first rule is quarterback is greater than running back. So in Superflex, PPR, tight end premium leagues, I would draft quarterbacks as default ahead of every other position. John Hogue is somewhere like, what? Because I've been arguing with John Hogue a lot. In fact, on two different podcasts this week, uh, the um, John Hogue uh, hosts the uh, Superflex rookie, no, the Superflex <laughs> podcast on DLF, not the he, they talk about rookies as well. I just have that on my mind, obviously. But the Superflex Rookie Podcast, and he and I do not agree about what you should do with your first five picks in a startup Superflex league. And we've been arguing with it on the Open Bar and also on um, the DLF family of podcast family meeting. I don't know what Dynasty Outhouse is calling that. Um, but yeah, I was on that one too. And we argued like a lot to the point that J. Mike, the nicest man in fantasy Twitter, literally cut me off mid-rant and said we have to be nice to each other now. So... Um, that's actually a really good show. It was really fun. I had a lot of fun. And John is great, to be very clear here. I like John a lot, despite the fact he strawmanned the entire process of analytics on his last podcast episode. I, 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 do, I love John. He's amazing. And I really like this idea he's come up with. I just want to argue with him about it at every turn. So, yeah, he just 
Um, I would value quarterbacks over every other position innately in Superflex tight end premium leagues because um, QBs play longer, obviously. They also score significant points for a longer period of time and the career arc is a lot slower and just has more years to it also the value is very likely based on dlf adp going back to 2013 it's very likely even in a disappointing rookie season to remain stable you don't lose a lot of value even if you rostering sam donald for example and their adp and their value as a synonym for value at least, it's likely to remain roughly the same in their sophomore offseason. And that's a phrase that's going to come up a lot because the sophomore offseason is really where I want to start adjusting my opinions. All that being said, and the fact that even mediocre QPs return high value in Superflex leagues, for example, you can still trade Sam Darnold right now because you have to start quarterbacks and therefore... You have to roster quarterbacks, and so it's very difficult to trade a quarterback without getting one in return. And if you have a quarterback like Sam Donald that you personally, because of your evaluation, want out of, then you can actually trade him for a, a very good value asset because if you don't ex- don't expect a quarterback in return. In most situations, you kind of need a quarterback in return, but if you are able to bite that bullet, then you can because quarterbacks such, have such value in Superflex leagues. It's just just what it is and for those and other ancillary reasons um quarterback is just greater than every position naturally if we add in all the premiums all right so uh the examples i came up with is the heights of quarterback production from a rookie draft will be patrick mahomes we don't get that every draft i can't make that clear enough but that is the height of a rookie draft since 2013 getting patrick mahomes the height of a Running back is, I put down Barkley, but you can probably come up with a better example. Like Alvin Kamara has actually been more productive because he hasn't missed uh, a year, for example. Or you could say uh, a variety of other running backs, I'm sure. But I'm putting Barkley in there, or Christian McCaffrey, actually, would be a great one because he was high-valued in rookie drafts. So uh, Mahomes and Christian McCaffrey, both paid off dividends, both are very valuable at the position, both are in the top tier in dynasty and redraft leagues, like no one doubts the talent. And yet, would you trade one for the other straight up? I think the value leans Mahomes. And so in the best of all possible worlds, to go all Voltaire on you for a second, Mahomes wins. And so I think that's a fairly good example of why quarterback wins out as an innate rule. The opposite flip side the opposite flip side of a coin. Yeah, that last glass really wasn't a good decision. Anyway, is Sam Donald, right? Very disappointing at this point, and I use him primarily because he's the most disappointing right now, I think, having recently, fairly recently been drafted, and so he's fresh on your mind, versus Nick Chubb. A good upside running back, currently held in the top 12 of DLF ADP. Like, he's a top 12 running back if you want to draft him right now. I think that's decent. He didn't hit the heights of Barkley and CMC, but he was he returned somewhat of that value. And I think that's, I don't know, it's a name that came to mind when I was thinking about Sam Darnold, mainly probably because I think I really want Nick Chubb. I think he's a great 2021 prospect, but I did not expect the market to be that sharp on it. Right now, he's almost overexpensive, despite the fact that I like him for 2021. So, yeah, that's weird. But, you know, uh, when you look at the worst possible outcome, which is probably... M- not Donald, it's probably Marcus Mariota, honestly, or Jameis Winston, for that matter, although he had a better rookie season in some respects. So let's say Marcus Mariota versus 
Trent Richardson. Let's throw Trent Richardson out there. Why not? Trent Richardson had a top 24 season his first year. Now, that's not true of a lot of running backs we currently like from last year's class more than we ever liked Trent Richardson. Hard to remember that now, but he was a good college running back. He had a decent rookie year, and his value did not drop after that rookie year significantly. So those are the comparisons. And yet, I think rookie year Marcus Mariota compared to rookie year Trent Richardson, I still think that value will be fairly equal. And that's the worst of all possible situations where we're drafting running back highly, I think, or at least some examples. All right, I guess I talked about that one long enough. Uh, So, uh, oh yeah, the fake drop. Rookie running... No, what was it? What am I doing? Maybe I should just go to bed. No, Rookie draft rule number two. See how cooler and professional I am because I have drops now made by someone else, not me, clearly. Um, the second rule is running backs are greater than wide receivers. You're seeing a pattern. But this is the way, I know, this is what occurred to me when I started trying to line out how I think about rookie drafts. Running backs are innately more valuable than wide receivers. They are more likely to produce earlier in their career, literally in year one, as we saw in the 2021 class outside of Justin Jefferson, I guess. And they're also more likely to produce, or they're also most likely to increase in value. Even running backs who have mediocre, like Trent Richardson, or below average production, are still less likely to drop in value than wide receivers who have a similar fate. Think Denzel Mims versus J.K. Dobbins. Think J.J. Sager-Whiteside versus, I can't honestly remember a running back drafted from that class. In my current state, I have sheets. So when was J.J. Sager-Whiteside drafted? So (laughs) J.J. Sager-Whiteside was drafted in 2019. Um, Around him, in terms of running backs, you could have got Devin Singletary. That's actually significantly low, where Devin Singletary was an early second-round pick. J.J. Sager-Whiteside ended up being a late first-round pick, which goes to a rule I have later in, in this particular podcast. But... I think J.J. Sega-Whiteside has lost more significant value than Devin Singletary, despite both having somewhat disappointing, for those who evaluated them to be good, um, careers so far. And yet, Devin Singletary definitely holds more value um, in startup and rookie drafts or in trade right now on the dynasty market. So that is an example of what I think is typically the results or on average, the results of running backs and wide receivers. Even in the worst possible situation, J.J. Sager-Whiteside is a late first-round pick, versus Devin Singletary is an early second-round pick, I think the edge goes to running back. On the reverse, we have, again, Saquon Barkley or CMC versus Justin Jefferson. Now, Justin Jefferson and Barkley and CMC, right now it's a difficult value calculation because they just missed a year. People are a little concerned about trading for running backs that were injured last year. Um, Dalvin Cook is also of lower value in the top five because he's the type to get injured, I guess, is the general consensus. So it's a little hard to find a direct comparison for the excitement we now rightly feel for Justin Jefferson. So try to imagine rookie year Christian McCaffrey, okay, versus rookie year Justin Jefferson. Where is the upside there? Justin Jefferson, like, you'll not find a bigger fan, but... I think CMC or Barkley rookie year has more value than Justin Jefferson right now. 
or at least the results are definitely different because a top 12 rookie or top 12 wide receiver season does less for you in terms of winning your league than a top 12 rookie season at running back or any season um, at running back does just because of the nature of the position, the replaceability of those points. So I think in the worst or the best case, best of all possible worlds, running back wins out. And so as a rule, I think running back wins out innately over wide receiver. All things being equal, which again, very rarely is because I love wide receivers, but there you go. So, uh, they're more likely to produce, they're more likely to produce early, they are more likely to maintain or increase in value, and they are harder uh, to find and also find replaceable and maintainable value at that position. Plus, in the best and worst case of all possible worlds, running back tends to win in that scenario. And again, please let me know if I'm missing something there. But yeah, that's that's rookie draft board, rookie draft rule two. First one being quarterbacks greater than running back. Second one being running backs greater than wide receiver. Okay, where are we at? Third one. Okay. Rookie draft board rule three. Wide receivers are greater than tight ends. I'm sorry, Kyle Pitts fans, but Again, in the best and the worst of all possible worlds, you have Justin Jefferson, most recently, or Odell Beckham digging back a little bit, versus Evan Ingram. That's the best of all possible worlds for drafting a tight end early. Now, you don't like that. I certainly don't like that, because Evan Ingram has since been Evan Ingram. But... In his rookie year, he's pretty much one of the only tight ends to actually break out and have fantasy-significant production through the whole season as a tight end, and he was highly drafted in rookie drafts. I don't think you get better upside from drafting a rookie tight end than Evan Ingram, unless you want to wait a few years, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about by their sophomore off season, what's the highest upside, and that's Evan Ingram. Conversely, the upside of Justin, Je- the upside of wide receiver is Justin Jefferson. Again, that's not every pick, but in the best of all possible worlds, that's the outcome. In the worst of all possible worlds, and no, for me, the worst of all possible worlds right now is Nikhil Harry, and the worst of all possible worlds at tight end is probably, I, I don't know, your mileage may vary obviously, but um, David Njoku or O.J. Howard, they were drafted late first round in their rookie drafts, or at least had that kind of potential within your rookie draft, be drafted around that range, and they, yeah, didn't, di- didn't, didn't do that, uh, and haven't really paid off, but into their sophomore season, to be honest, those tight ends were much more likely to maintain their value in their sophomore offseason. So what are you talking about, Pete? Um, let's update the wide receiver as well. Nikhil Harry is what it is for me, but think Denzel Mims from last year's draft as well, or in fact, we could go back to J.J. Sager Whiteside. I don't think that reflects the trade market. As we've talked about before on this podcast, and I've been talking about on Discord and or on Twitter and pretty much everywhere they let me talk, ADP doesn't accurately reflect value. And if you try to n- trade for Nikhil Harry right now, you're probably going to get a similar response, mostly because he's on my roster, as I had for Corey Davis last year. And Corey Davis still <clears throat> still didn't crack the top 24 in 2020. Like, that's an omission that I don't think I've made till right now. But his value at least sustained and even possibly increased 
I could look that up. Based on his 2020 performance, when we saw something of the player that we had hoped to find. So yeah, I just looked it up, and Corey Davis's ADP has actually risen five whole rounds in startup ADP based on his 2020 performance. And I think that's fair based on our experience um, of that se- of last season. Because of the mediocre success rate at tight ends at all, even Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson were both top 12 picks last year. Top 12, not picks, not top 12 performers last year in terms of points per game or overall points at the position. They still kind of disappointed because you really need that ultimate upside at quarterback to start feeling the value trend. You need a top five season. You need Darren Waller. You need Travis, really need Travis Kelsey. You need uh, um, Jimmy Graham. You need Rob Gronkowski. You need those type of players, and those players typically break out later, and they typically have lower draft capital, and they are typically not the first round taken, first tight end taken in their rookie drafts even. George Kittle being the most recent example of that. So it's not, and I know this is all relating in your head to the 2020 one class, I get it, but I can find no reason not to draft Kyle Pitts number one overall, which is why I played the quarterback and the tight end market instead of trying to purely more rely, I rely on the ADP aspect of rookie drafts more than the evaluation aspects for those two positions, but because they're, they're both so hard to hit, man, it's just, it's just the way it is. For, ex- for a broad example, on average, since 2003, all the way up until 2018, so every player's had three years to play in the NFL, we have 1.4 quarterbacks having a top 12 season per for each rookie draft. We have 4.2 running backs having a top 24 season. We have 3.6 wide receivers having a top 24 season, and we have 1.8 tight ends having a top point uh, as a, having a top 12 season. Top 12 seasons essentially don't matter at the tight end position. You need a top two honestly, but we'll say top five just for the sake of, you know, that's the one I track. And tight ends don't do it a lot. You can literally name all the ones that have had that type of value. So there's no reason not to think Kyle Pitts can't be that guy, but we thought that a lot, and they're very, very rare, and the position is almost custom-built to be resilient to analysis for finding the right player, which is why the best tight end in any class is typically not the first tight end taken, despite very good processes going into ADP. Sound a little aggressive, but that's where I'm at. So, for me, wide receiver is great on tight end because of the overall landscape. All things being equal, when you start to bring in Kyle Pitt's actual evaluation, it's fine to fame wide receivers under tight end at a certain point, but that has to involve has to be in the evaluation section. If ADP says to fade a wide receiver over a tight end, generally you fade the tight end over the for the wide receiver. All right. So again, this is all things being equal. Um, draft running backs in rookie drafts. Draft them late. Draft them deep, and draft them early and everywhere. Another rule I happen to write down is players drafted outside the first three rounds of the NFL draft, and you know this is painful for me to say. By and large, you cannot draft them in their rookie seasons because they are easier or somewhat easier to acquire during the season or in their sophomore offseason because draft capital, if nothing else, provides a line to opportunity in the NFL. And that's just kind of the way it works. I'm not saying I practice that rule perfectly. In fact, most of my later round picks and all the wide receivers I love, and I largely have to give them up 
which is what other players will be stuck with if they take wide receiver over running back in the later rounds. Running backs are more likely to get production early. They're more likely to be replaceable uh, or get replacement production because of injury, and they're more likely to maintain, if not increase in value. In fact, another one of the rookie rules I came up with, so I guess we're on rookie draft rule number six at this point, is that if a running back falls by one round in ADP overall, for no real reason, just he didn't break out in his first year, he didn't really pay off, you should pretty much buy that player. Because running backs still have the same potential outcome, early in their career at least, and even later drafted players in ADP and also in the NFL might find that opportunity later on. I mean, we, we saw a lot of them in 2020, but 2020 was a weird season. But that still bears true overall. It's really tough for me to say that. So, like, again, it's not that I follow this rule every time, and it's why I've got that all things being equal little caveat on all of this. All right. So, of the aspects of rookie draft theory, I guess I'm calling it, you have ADP evaluation and trends. Trends is the one I haven't spoken about yet. I think ADP is greater than evaluation because by and large, you can have a pretty good hit rate just following ADP or as good as anyone else can really boast. You, evaluation is a lot better than trends, though, which is, I want to say that my overarching strategy, if there is such a thing for rookie drafts, is pretty simple. In startup drafts, I'm very much a, as everyone I think is, again, I think these are the things people generally know, but maybe we don't list them out. Um, you trade down in startup drafts to find value. In rookie drafts, I really think the approach, or my approach, is to try to trade up for my tier one players. The player that I want. I'm going to try to go get them. This is where we get to get on a hobby horse and ride, as you know, some nerd once said. Um, pick the player that you want and try and go get him, or at least get the type of player because you think it's that type of class. Um, or trade out. Not trade down, like literally be looking to trade out. If you don't have a player you want to go up and get, the value move is to tr just trade out. I mean, you can trade down if that's the one, the best trade that presents itself, but I would also be willing to just trade out of that particular rookie draft because there's no one I want to go and pay to get up and get. Some other things I've learned about rookie drafts based on my article that I recently read, read? I recently wrote for DLF or DiceyLeagueFootball.com. If a player loses value in the off season of their sophomore year, especially at wide receiver, sell them. It's a 94% hit rate that that player will never have a top 24 season or really accrue additional fantasy value. And that's, you know, all things being equal, I still hung on to Corey Davis because I, I love the player. I wasn't just hanging on to draft capital. I thought the player was good. Same, same with Nikhil Harry. Right now, if a play, if a wide receiver loses five rounds in ADP, and this is a pretty easy thing to see happen, uh, greater than five rounds in ADP drop, that's when you buy them. Because especially if they didn't miss expectation in terms of points per game during their original season by you know greater than five points per game, and um, that's where you find the Tyler Boyds of the world. Very few drop that far while only missing expectations so in such a small manner. And um, really, it's Tyler Boyd and a few other players that were really worth a third-round pick, even though they never paid off. And so if they drop drastically in ADP, 
um, because of their rookie season. And really, there was no statistical, statistical reason for Tyler Boyd dropping so far. He had over 600 yards, for example. Still, um, that's a good opportunity to buy. If a running back, as I mentioned before, drops by a round in ADP without a really good reason, uh, you just buy that guy because that's just disappointment that it didn't happen year one, and I think that's a fairly good trade target. If a tight, oh, oh, also buy tight ends in their sophomore season is just kind of an underlining rookie rule I have. Like I'll be interested in Kyle Pitts next year if he breaks out year one like Evan Ingram. I just missed. And I'm just going to have to live with that. But I'm going to be trying to trade for him and Brevin Jordan next year. Unless Brevin Jordan really holds that third round ADP, which is where he might get interesting because all things won't be equal at running back and wide receiver in that round. And finally, just always be selling running back outside of their rookie drafts. Always be selling running back and quarterback since we're talking about super flex. All right. Now, what I plan to do is go back through ADP and talk about how trends suck and how actually when we start listening to trends, that's when we see the worst effects in ADP over adjusting to the 2015 terrible draft class, for example. 2016 is the most over adjustment I think I can find since 2013. Strangely, it's not 2015 after and that great rookie season, which tells us something about what to expect in 2021. People seem to be adjusting to the fact that not every class can be the 2020 class reasonably effectively. But here's what I'm going to tell you, especially since I've already at 35 minutes. I intend to talk about the trends of what might be happening in ADP and break down this specific rookie class as I have in other podcasts, but also videos and written form. Um, but I will do that furthermore uh, more on this podcast. But this Monday, I'm having a live stream where I've invited some friends and family, I guess, to mock draft, not just startup ADP, but also rookie drafts. I think, because we normally end up talking about it, we end up talking about trends for rookie drafts, like who's overdrafting wide receiver because of the 2021 class, or 2020 class, or the who's overdrafting running backs of the 2020 class. And I really want to try to leave this as wine adult as it may be, as somewhat evergreen. I've outlined certain thoughts on rookie drafts that I'm not saying I've, like, like I haven't listed them out and proved them statistically. I just think given my experience playing Dynasty, these feel like fairly good guidelines, if not rules, for how to broadly see rookie drafts. Trade up or trade out, Target quarterback, then running back, then wide receiver, then tight end, if all the premiums are in place. Um, tight end obviously falls just above, or quarterback falls just above tight end if they're not super flex, for example. Um, but I want to try and leave it there. Like, I don't want to break into a specific class and players, what my thoughts on this specific class in this podcast, because I want to kind of just leave this as a, hey, look, I... I I listed out things I think about rookie drafts in general right here, and you don't get a reminder of what I thought about any particular class. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm leaving it. Uh, if you want more thoughts, obviously the next episode of the Dynasty Crossroads, but also specifically talking about ADP and drafting and this class, and also how it relates to startup drafts, like where do you draft rookies and startup drafts, I think we're going to get into it on that live stream with a whole, hopefully a whole bunch of my friends using Andy Eskridge's mock draft app. If you're not aware of it, I did a live stream of it uh, the week before this one. 
where I literally opened up the tool and we just did a startup and we did a rookie draft just to see what the tool was like. And it was pretty interesting because you can do mock drafts all by yourself. And this is not a paid promotion. He's just a nerd I know and he made this thing. And it's really useful, especially since I spend most of my time in the early hours of the morning thinking about Dynasty football and you can't find 12 friends to mock draft with you at that point. And uh, the little algorithm he wrote to use ADP to create a draft board for you so you can mock draft by yourself. It's actually pretty, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, and so we're going to be doing that on the Monday live stream on Twitch and YouTube and everywhere else. Look at me almost sounding like a professional, but it's definitely time I got out of here. And I'm feeling like a fourth class wouldn't be pushing it too hard, right? Right? Yeah, maybe a fourth class. But uh, anyway, I hope you're happy, healthy, and safe, and uh, that you keep grinding. Thanks for checking out this podcast, if you did. Um, if it's terrible, I'll listen back to it in the morning, and if, if it definitely sounds too terrible, I'll re-record it, in which case I'll talk to you then, I guess. If not, I will talk to you next week. No more weeks off, because, you know, we don't, we don't take time off around here. We just don't. Um, but I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and uh, talk to you next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.